Welcome, everybody, to 26.1 AI Podcasts. Today, we have managing partner of Rakuten's venture arm, Semin An, joining us from Singapore. Welcome, Semin. Hello, hello. It's a good morning here. How are you? Good afternoon here in the South Puget Sound. Why don't you give some background on what you're working on, your title, and the company you work for? Cool. Yeah. So my name is Samen. Um, I run uh, the financially uh, oriented arm of venture capital uh, on inside the corporation of Rakuten Corp. Uh, we're a Japanese, mainly e-commerce plus fintech plus uh, travel player in, in Japan and global. Um, I founded this fund about seven years ago. Um, basically retooled the strategic investment fund to be a very, very fast, agile, early stage investment vehicle. Um, we do, we ended up, you know, really, really loving tech vended companies and, uh, and really ended up investing in a lot of AI and ML companies very early on. Um, actually, one of our investments is Algorithmia, which is uh, indeed in Puget Sound. And we've started to understand, um, you know, how we develop a cadence and a rhythm um, for investment for private placements that doesn't follow necessarily the herd, but uh, we try to understand what is the theme that uh, will will arise as something that's really value add to society. Now, in terms of your structure, mm-hmm. do you have a single LP then, or how do you work? How are you structured? Yeah, I mean, we, for us, we're, we we ha- we indeed have one LP, um, and that is Rockton Corp. Um, how we're developed, and the reason why I say private placement is that we're not only uh, beholden to uh, venture capital assets, <clears throat> which is still a private placement, but we can still do a lot with that instrument. And um, the the fact that you know we've developed a really good relationship with our CEO, and we've we've actually uh, developed a very good mutual um, kind of financially uh, financially beneficial relationship with Corp has really helped us broaden the horizons, uh, think laterally in terms of how we think about investment topics. Um, so to, to, to give you a good idea of this, how we're structured and how we're built is more like a, a Tencent investment and more like a, uh, like a SoftBank uh, a vision fund than that of um, maybe a synergistic uh, investment fund from, from Cisco or Qualcomm in the vision that, you know, uh, we, uh, a good portion of our financial gains contributes very positively towards our bottom line for Rock Corp. I, I had seen you mention KPIs for your fund or your job. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Because typically in a venture fund, that's about returns to LPs. Yep, exactly. Um, so for us, um, you know, we, we, we basically return a specific uh, amount of, uh, of capital gain to our, to our mother. Um, and, you know, Rakuten has essentially recorded maybe, I think, three or 4% of um, the total net income right now is is uh, contributed by Rakuten Ventures. Um, and this is by a company, uh, Rakuten Ventures, a company of five people. So we're very effective at returning capital um, and, and developing a really good symbiotic relationship with our LP. A lot of times corporations and corporate venture capital firms um, are able and really have a hard time uh, developing number one that relationship and that machinery needed to be to make that return to system. Now four percent that's that's pretty big given the mm. results for Rocketed. I mean, Americans may be a lot more familiar with uh, Masayoshi Son and mm. SoftBank. Maybe mm. give kind of a scale of what Rocketed's business um, revenue is like. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I think I think when I say you know SoftBank Vision Fund, I that's a that's a real big hyperbole in terms of trying to build parallels. Um, for us, we're we're um, a pretty interesting company in that you know we do about twelve billion dollars of revenue a year compared to that of the many subsidiaries that SoftBank has. Um, and and even if you look at the Vision Fund, um, you know the Vision Fund accounts more than you know almost half to about forty percent of their whole net income. Whereas again, we're we're a very small portion, three to four percent, but we're definitely building up, building out an organization for for our contribution ratios to increase more and more. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, Rakuten does about twelve billion dollars of revenue a year. Um, it's split pretty evenly on the top line across what we do on the fintech side. So we have an an amazing fintech business where we have. Uh, one of the largest trading platforms in Japan called iSpeed. We have uh, the number one credit card company in Japan. Um, and then we have like the number two uh, travel company in Japan. And then we have our e-commerce marketplace. So everything actually works as uh, a really artfully orchestrated uh, Moten Castle strategy, um, you know, at where, you know, when you spend, when you use the Rakuten Ichiba credit card on our marketplace, it's very, very beneficial for the user. But of course, on the company side, uh, these things work as a natural catalyst and accelerant uh, for our for us to increase our top line and, of course, uh, verticalize the cost for acquiring new customers. Now, moving towards your actual activity mm-hmm. as a managing partner of the Venture Fund, mm-hmm. I really love the story of how you found Diego Oppenheimer and Algorithm. <laughs> Do you do you mind sharing that? Uh, okay, so so Diego loves to 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 talk about that as an icebreaker, but I I and the way that Diego talks, of course, he never like exaggerates, and it's actually to his to the letter. Where for me, um, as mentioned before, I try to invest a lot on the basis of of thematic investments, and the one idea that I had very very early on was um there was two things, um there was an immense drive towards, and this is a lot of the stuff that I learned in my time at Google, is that they had uh, amazing amounts of code repositories and specifically algorithm repositories so that engineers from all over the world of the Google offices can pull from that, like the library of Alexandria, uh, to develop their own applications or develop internal tools that were necessary. I was thinking as an investor, why isn't there something out there as a SaaS product or some sort of other product that's billable? that uh, other bigger corporations can utilize uh, to find and uh, to basically benefit from all this knowledge around the world. And specifically, a lot of the algorithms that are literally built for one use case to be published in universities and th- then thrown away. So I kid you not, I literally just typed, you know, algorithm marketplace. And the third result that popped up was algorithmia. And I emailed them because for me, like I don't have a network in venture capital. I'm not going to go up to Madrona like four years ago and say, hey, you know, can I can I get an intro? And they're like, who who are you? So I literally in, uh, uh, used the contact me page and I said, I want to talk to you guys. So that was actually the first interaction that I had with Diego and Kenny. They were like, who is this guy from Singapore? Let me find out if this can be a funny anecdote of a crazy person contacting us so I can laugh about it in the future. Oh, now he's our investor. So, <laughs> so that was kind of how the story began. But obviously what Diego... And Kenya has built out is amazing of, of how you build out the whole DevOps operation of, you know, basically training, scaling, and, 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 and the overall maintenance and security of AI and ML. That's something that 
for me that that wasn't even part of my initial thesis but they took that and and the track that they built that has been amazing it's really groundbreaking what they're doing right now and how do you view their competitive landscape and where do you see it going there there are companies that are proposing to do some bits of what they offer yep i think for me when i look at the landscape i do i do believe that a lot of these guys are are overfunded and th- this is me actually being not diplomatic at all and that's actually one of my takes is that as a venture capitalist I have a very strong opinion about a lot of these companies like a lot of and what what happens with a lot of these MLAI companies when they're overfunded they have they have like 90 million dollars on their balance sheet um, they, they start to internalize tools that don't need to be internalized um, and in many ways um, you know I the way that I look at um, Algorithmia, they're building the next wave of what a Red Hat would be in, in, in 2020 and 2021 and on, in that they're trying to develop really good tool sets to loop in together so that as a developer, as an MLAI practitioner, you literally have the freedom to integrate the tools that you're used to and then be and focus on the productivity that you need to. Um, and when you, when, when you have so much funding, you start to understand how do I how do I invert how do I want to verticalize margins today and not five years later, and I think that's fundamentally fundamentally the wrong approach. I do see that with that verticalization, a lot of these AI companies were able to get to that point much quicker, and I see a lot of great companies IPOing up. But um, I do I, I strongly believe that um, Algorithmia has a pitch perfect approach. For number one, not being too competitive with the quasi competitors, but number three, doing it in, in the most efficient way possible. And at the same time, I think the product has the most empathy for enterprises to work with. Empathy, corporate empathy, as in um, algorithm, Diego and Kenya and the team have the perfect understanding of what each corporation is going through, and they perfectly modularize a product to suit those needs. You- brought up enterprises and how much of that do you think is Diego's uh, Microsoft greeting because he, he's an alumnus of a company that really understands enterprise and yeah. has roared back because of that it, absolutely I mean you, you just you just hit, hit the uh, hit the point so well um, I mean with with uh, with Diego's overall like he, he's fluent in enterprise so he, he knows how to engage the superstructure uh, whether it's a IT company or an older fintech company perfectly. So this, this is the reason why, like I, I've seen some of the, the case studies you can see on algorithm on, online where they, when they work with Toyota or, or the like, they're just astounded by how quickly and how, how with agility, um, Kenny and Diego and the team can set up a process that helps them be productive and get to the output they want to. I really haven't seen. Because I just see a lot of deals, I just see a lot of enterprise companies at the same time. I haven't seen really that agility, even from some of my other portfolio companies. And what what are the other companies you like in this space that you've invested in? Yeah, so for for me, I've invested in so Algorithm is one of them. Another company that I invested in is called Vsense. Um, it's a company in, uh, based out in Singapore. Um, they do computer vision, but for e-commerce and 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 uh, and fashion. Um, they're one of the most astounding companies that I've seen along with Algorithmia because um, if you if you have an Android phone and you have like a Samsung or an Oppo or Vivo or Huawei um, and you open up the shopping lens, it's powered by vSense. It, it's not powered by Google Lens. It's not powered by Amazon recognition. 
Um, it's powered by at, at this this company has like 60 million month active users that it's helping out every single and powering their searches every single month on those shopping lenses uh, from this little red dot in Southeast Asia. Um, and it's built by uh, a, an amazing CTO and 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 a CEO of Guangdan Oliver. And uh, they developed this amazing platform that enables a uh, very, very quick recognition of the attributes of fashion and the attributes of, of um, clothes. And that's been applied to many, many different customer sets uh, from, as mentioned before, all the actual uh, cell phone OEMs uh, to really, really interesting fashion platforms like Asus and Uniqlo. Um, that's one company. And there's a, a lot of other companies that we've invested in, like um, Send Anywhere. It's a, it's a company in Korea. It's, an, it's a file transfer company in South Korea. Um, they use immense amounts of AI, AI and ML to develop the right routing algorithms. So that number one, when you send a file from point A to point B, you can do that while not, uh, you know, really hurting your cogs when you actually work out your PNLs. Um, there's another company in, um, uh, San Mateo called One Signal. Um, well, it will be Redwood now. They've, they've, they've moved places, but, um, this is a push notification platform, um, and, uh, with, uh, like the likes of Braze and and um, Urban Airship, but uh, right now one million developers depend on that platform. Um, they use immense amounts of again ML and AI to number one predict um, their overall you know server costs and whatnot, but to be able to develop very very automated push notification uh, kind of functionalities uh, to help their customers reach their customers very effectively. Wow, one signal is. Uh... Sounds a lot like the last startup I was actually active with. So really? I got to take a look at them more closely. FeeSense, um, the channel partnerships that they secured, was that something you helped as an investor or is that something they managed to secure on their own? Uh, you know, I want to say I, I want to take the credit on that so badly because that's such an amazing partnership. But no, I mean, they did it with sheer strength of, of how good their product was and their flexibility in, in how to work with these developers and these OEMs. Um, and like, for, I'll give you an example. Like I can, I can give you, um, when they work with uh, Samsung and now they're powering a lot of their region's uh, shopping lens, this was like a year and nine month engagement just to get uh, their, their, their SDK or API into the, the test phones. Um, so it's a very, very durable partnership. Um, and they developed this because number one, vSense itself is very, very well known in the computer vision space, but they're at the top of their game for commerce. You don't go anywhere else. And because of that, it, they, they, they develop their own gravity when these OEMs want to build out these products. And when, uh, Oliver came to me and said, I want to build out this lens for, uh, for smartphones. I was actually reticent because I was like, is this like more like, uh, like window dressing? Does, can this become critical in the future? And quickly I was proven so wrong because number one, it started out as an, as an, as a hygiene product for a lot of these OEMs. Oh, you know, Huawei has it. Me as Samsung should definitely have it. But now you look at what's happening with Google Lens. You look at happening with what, what, what's happening with Pinterest. It's becoming the critical portion. Uh, to the consumption ladder. So, I mean, I mean, not only are they visionary, but they were able to execute on that vision literally a year and a half to two years ahead of all the bigger players. And what markets are they active with? Where, where are their users primarily located? 
So vSense right now is actually active globally. Um, they, uh, so there's many parts to what vSense does, but the, the, sh the native shopping network portion that I just talked about with the, the, the shopping lens, um, that's just global. They have, they have more than 60 million month active users. Um, those 60 million month active users, uh, search, uh, 400 million times a month. So they literally search about, uh, 50% of what DuckDuckGo's pure search volume is on visual. So that's an, and, and they're only searching visually for something to buy. So that's pretty crazy in terms of the amount of, of, of influence they hold in those smartphones. Um, and as mentioned before, they have many other businesses uh, that deal with e-commerce sites directly and helping them do smart recommendations and do similar uh, kind of uh, site to search models that I talked about in the shopping. Oh, that's impressive. I, I want to look more deeply into what they're doing. That's fascinating. Mm. Yep, yep. And for geography, you're based in Singapore, but We've already talked about Algorithmia that's located in mm -hmm. Seattle, or at least founded in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then One Signal is in Redwood City. And mm -hmm. sounds like formerly they were in my old neighborhood in San Mateo. <laughs> yeah. are, are you global in terms of seeking your uh, deal flow? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, I think that's one of my biggest strengths is that for us, uh, it's really important to understand what's happening all around the market. Um, I'll give you a really good example is... Um, this is actually has to do a lot with vSense and algorithms specifically is that I was looking for a computer vision company and, and an AI ML generalist company. And when I looked for all of this, I, I, again, to be very transparent, like most of the startups that were very much in, in vogue, uh, in 2014, 15, um, I, one thing that I looked at and I got deep into their PNLs is that their cogs uh, were unworkable. So basically they were building off of a heavy, heavy cost base and then thinking about business models much, much later on in the roadmap, they simply wanted to develop this core API um, and, and and whatnot. Um, and um, there's a really, really interesting uh, perspective on this is that when I then looked at what vSense was doing, they were able to really, really compress um, the, the um, the cost base in a, in a very innovative way um, so that they, they were building out and they were being productive, uh, you know, four or five times uh, than that of, you know, what the their uh, San Francisco peers were doing. And one of the important things was how do I think differently about investment topics? Do I only want to focus on how good the IP could be? Or do I want to think about how sustainable the business can be from the earliest point on? And I chose the latter at, to think about this because... You know, there are so many companies out there, you know, talking about what they could do. But, you know, what's manifesting right now is that these companies, a lot of them were building out these products without having a proper way to monetize them. So in that perspective, that's, you know, I, for me, being able to look globally, I was able to do a really, really interesting apples to apples comparison um, and, and then make the choice uh, globally. You were COVID-19 before your time because right now a lot of American VCs are learning or getting up to speed on how to do remote deals. Do you have, <laughs> do you have some uh, tips for your American colleagues out here in Silicon Valley and Seattle? You know, I, I, I really, I, I, that's a really interesting topic because actually when you look at my, my deal, my deal history, more than a half to about 65% of my deals uh, have been done uh, without actually meeting the founder in person. Um, 
like the the first check that I signed to them. Um, and you know, I did this because I was trying to pr prove a thesis if this was workable, in the perspective that um, you know, for me to do global investment from Singapore now that I've experienced everything is one of the easiest things to do because number one. I can look at Southeast Asia deals, but I have to look at it on the ground just because of information latency, because of a very, very disparate market context. But when I do stuff in the U.S., uh, because that latency is so low and I get access to so many networks and information, I really have no kind of reservations about if I want to touch a company in New York to if I want to touch a company in Boston. Um, so... I guess the tip would be is that I think, you know, the way that you engage the models, um, if you if you understand that vertical very well and the, the price points of that vertical very well, um, you I think a lot of VCs should start to look at uh, doing remote deals much more aggressively because I think looking globally is, is still one of the uh, vehicles that has not been touched by smaller shops. It has been touched by larger shops that, of course, we've seen. Of the franchise uh, VC firms, uh, but they're doing that at a much uh, higher cost base, and hence they do it that at a a relatively more mature growth stage investment uh, topics. Do you see any correlation between that and what you had mentioned before about overfunded startups? Hmm. So some of these franchise VCs, like you'd mentioned, I, mm -hmm. I'd suppose maybe Sequoia Capital would be put into that as well. I mean, mm -hmm. they're they're playing with big bucks and yeah. they go in with pretty big funds, right? What, yeah, what, I, what are the advantages you have against somebody like that? Um, I mean, I think for me, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put Sequoia in the same basket per se because they've actually been really, really diligent in terms of how they've compartmentalized that platform. Uh, but for me, I, I've never seen a, a other VC firm as a competitor, especially in Southeast Asia or, or overall, you know, um, North Asia. Uh, just because the more money that comes into the region, everybody wins. And the more money that comes, there's more chances of uh, companies that I have invested in and that I have not invested in becoming successful, which is, again, a virtuous cycle where there's then it brings out more liquidity out of different uh, silos. Um, so I've never actually understood uh, understood the idea of being competitive to, to, uh, to other VC firms. But I think what I do bring is that for us, we don't make a lot of investments a year, maybe six or, or, or about four investments a year. Um, and those investments, we have a really good understanding of where those companies should be going and that how they should be performing, how, the, how their product should be built out and whatnot. And a lot of times we're very aligned with the founders and they're very surprised that we thought that deeply about their company or their vertical. Do you have a favorite region or country for the upcoming year in terms of looking for deals? Um, you know, this is interesting. Like for me, definitely, um, I uh, I don't, I well, I'll just say this. Um, I, I, I don't think I'll have a specific uh, region um, just because that, you know, I, again, as mentioned before and by you, I am really, really comfortable with investing um, it remotely. Uh, but I do think that um, in relation to what's happening with COVID-19 and whatnot, uh, there will be specific verticals that I'll be looking at uh, very, very much. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening with, uh, you know, uh, NLP and NLU, like the the whole wave in the text-to-speech uh, industry that could be very, very productive for society. Uh, you know, think about being able to uh, field uh, 
Think about a hospital being able to field uh, calls via a simple voice chatbot that enables you to screen for symptoms of COVID-19 without a person having to be online and, and take notes individually. I think there's a lot of technological innovation that could be done, and obviously private capital can be a lot of help on. Uh, so no, I don't think that there's going to be a specific region that I will focus on, um, or 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 have a have have um, have more preference to. Um, I'm going to look at more on biotechnology to see you know what can be done with uh, you know faster screening processes or workflows. Um, I don't think that there's there's a lot of attention going into ML and AI in relation to like how do you make testing a lot quicker with ML and AI. I've looked at the studies. I've looked at some of the, the the companies that do this. I think there's still a a a while away from actually making this a scalable and repeatable process for them to sell as a product. Uh, but definitely those things in relation to computer vision, um, making sure that you can recognize specific molecules and particles under a microscope in a very automated manner could be very interesting at the same time. Also, um, I'm looking also at things in relation to how do you make modeling, um, the, the, the practice of modeling, much more uh, affordable? Um, one of the things that really, really opened my eyes to energy consumption was actually how energy intensive model training is for ML and AI. Um, There's a really amazing report that NVIDIA made where they said 75% of all data center data energy consumption came from model training. That's the, it's, it's, it's insane. And there's another report that says, uh, you know, AI and ML model training is probably has the worst carbon footprint that we've seen out of a lot of other utilities. Um, so understanding, you know, how do you actually develop better computing modules? When you when I say that, that goes from gamut to gamut. From the very, very extreme spectrum, I'm looking at photonic computing as a way to negate this, but also a lot of great innovative algorithm development that allows you to use APUs instead of GPUs to do a lot of compute. Um, really marginalizing the cost increases in the future. So, um, you know, looking at a lot of diverse places to actually touch uh, and, and understand um, value. In. I think you made a strong um, case for what you're looking for to invest in, maybe a call out on how to contact you for any of those entrepreneurs who are fulfilling those uh, needs or, or deals that you're looking for. Sure, sure. Uh, so, I mean, you can reach me on Twitter um, or you can reach me uh, in my Rockton email. It's Samin, S-A-E-M-I-N dot A-H-N at R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com, Rockton dot com. Um, and you know, I, I actually, this is, and that's one of the reasons why I, I love coming on these podcasts because I get to really uh, interact with the community and uh, you know please you know i'm also very actively on twitter you can you can see me easily swear on twitter and complain about the fed and at the same time complain about specific industry trends um and i can i'll be ha happy to interact with, uh, with with you guys well i thank you so much for joining and i think if you um swear in korean mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't trigger apple's uh, censorship you know i want to be careful i think apple is becoming <laughs> I think Apple is becoming quite popular in the uh, in Korea also. So I'll just I'll just you know let's let's end the podcast and then I can start swearing randomly. <laughs> okay.